The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. It's good to see you. I mean, it's a little bit challenging, isn't it, when the sun is out now? Because we've been waiting every week, is it going to come out? And they get these forecasts and you see the sun coming out, a little bit of cloud. And everyone's going back to school and now the sun's come out. So I, I'm sorry about that, but we want to enjoy uh, today and I trust that you will enjoy today. I don't know whether you saw during the week there was an article that came out from the Times newspaper. So it was in, reported uh, in a number of um, different publications as well. The Times had done a report amongst, I think it was like 1,200 Anglican clergy. And they, uh, they showed that the, the results of this poll were that 64% of those said that now England can no longer be described as a Christian nation. That's a challenge. This, uh, this poll also went on to say this. In the survey, 63% of those polled want the church to drop its opposition to premarital sex. 65% want it to uh, drop its opposition to gay sex. And 67% of the priests think that the church's efforts to stop and reverse the decline in attendance will fail. So I read that, and my heart felt heavy. Because you recognize that actually, outside of the church, things are getting darker. And you know what? We need to be saddened because we're living in a society that increasingly does not believe in God. And even if they do believe in God, here's the issue. Even if they do believe in God, they don't seem to know Him. To know Him. To have relationship with Him. And even if they do, there seems to be very little fear of God amongst us. And these are things which should concern us as the people of God because we want to see our nation being set free. Now today we're starting a new series. This new series is entitled Practical Christian Living. It's a very broad title which helps me to be able to speak on all sorts of things, which is really what I love, so hallelujah for that. But in this first part, in this first part, I want to go back to some beginnings so that we can remind ourselves of two things, really. Who we are and what we are supposed to do, who we are and what we are supposed to do. So when it comes to talking about beginnings, obviously a good place to begin is right at the very beginning, the book of Genesis. So we're going to go to the very first verse of the book of Genesis, and in the first verse of the book of Genesis, it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the very first point I want to make is that we're right at the very beginning, and in the beginning, and there, God. Okay? The beginning of all things is God. The beginning of all things is God. He is the uncreated one. Now, we need to get hold of this. Yomi talked about remembrance when we were taking our communion. We need to remember constantly. Now, it seems a simple thing to remember. There's God. Yes, but in the beginning... There was God. Before anything else existed, there is God. He is the only uncreated one. He is the eternal God. He is the everlasting God. And they use those terms because that's what he is. He's always has been. He always will be. 
he is God. And the Bible starts off with that position. Well, what was there in the beginning? God. In the beginning, God. So that's our first position. That's where we're starting. That's what's important for us. The very beginning of all things is God. And secondly, that verse is, in the beginning, God, God did what? God created the heavens and the earth. So God created the heavens and the earth. And incidentally, I had a very skilled person who helped me with the slides this week. Because obviously William's gone and everything is now down to me. That, what you're going to see today is the sum total of my expertise on a computer. So they're a little bit basic. And believe you me, you're going to see more as we go on. So he understands. But I just wanted this. It helps us to understand. In the beginning was God. What did God do? He created the heavens. I didn't put the word heavens on there. It's all the white bit. Okay? Where God is. The heavens are there. And there's the earth. Fairly simple, but it doesn't hurt to be simple. It gets into our minds. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Colossians 1 verses 16 and 17 says this, All things have been created by him and for him. Now it makes sense, doesn't it? You started off with God. What was he doing? He says, I want to make some things. I want to create some things. And so he went ahead and created the heavens and the earth. He did it because he wanted to, because he was able to. Something, mathematicians, do we have many mathematicians in here? <laughs> Obviously, I'm not putting my hand up. <laughs> you know, I managed to get through the O level, but. Oh, there he is, Stuart, with a wee little joke there. <laughs> the sum of all the mathematicians. If you're a mathematician, you understand about zero. It's true. And you're taught that zero plus zero equals zero. One times zero equals zero. Zero means zero. A lot of people say that out of nothing came something, and even that they don't believe there was a God. We believe there was a God, and he created things out of literally nothing, because he is able to do that. But if you start with nothing, you've got to have something. The mathematicians, the whole of maths is based on that premise, and yet people say, no, science, it, it, the Big Bang Theory, I won't go into that. Let's keep on with where we are. God is creating all things. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the glue of the universe. He holds everything together. So there's my fantastic slide. God said in Genesis 1 verse 26, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Now, verse 26 there is actually a very important verse. It says this, let us make, God says, Let us make mankind... In our image, in our image. And if you go to that and the, go to the theologians, there's lots of discussion about what does this exactly mean? But the Hebrew, it, it really refers to a status, that the fact that image is a status rather than a likeness. Some think that being in God's likeness means we share certain of God's likenesses, i.e. we have intelligence, we have 
a reasoning ability. We have emotions, just as we see in God. But you know what? That doesn't, that alone, and they are likenesses of God. I will agree with that. But that alone doesn't make us distinct from animals. Because in some animals, you see those strange things. There are if you've got a pet dog or something, you would see, because the dog actually sometimes has intelligence. The dog seems to have some emotions. And he can certainly create emotions in you. What I'm trying to say is there has to be a distinctness about us. And if you're just looking at those likenesses alone, there isn't a distinctness about us. That is because the Hebrew isn't just looking at likeness. This is saying this is about a status that we have. Being in God's image, being created in God's image is the fact that we were created to be God's representatives here upon the earth. His images, his images. We're supposed to take him who he is and image that. It's a status that we have. We are here to be God's representatives, his administrators on the earth. And that is why theologians say, well, yes, that is obvious because when you move on with these scriptures from verse 26, they come to what we call the dominion mandate. That is where it is declaring the function of man that he is to rule over the earth. He's to fulfill it. He's to fill it, rather, and he is to rule over. And so we are supposed to be those who rule over the earth. As it were, we are administers of God's kingdom here upon the earth. So if we ask the question which I posed earlier on, who are we and what are we supposed to do, then to summarize that, we would say this. We are human beings who have been created by God and our function is to be God's representatives here upon the earth. We could say that the purpose of every human being is to image God upon the earth. So man is to be God's representative in the earth. The fact that I found the heart symbol just warmed me when I did that. It warmed me. And that I could color it in. These, I did say they're basic, okay? It gives you an understanding. There is man, and you could say that's me. You could actually say that's me. That's why it's just sort of semi-generic. That, that's, that's me. And God is, is in me, and God is helping me, and God has given me a specific function, and that is to rule. <laughs> supposed, to be, supposed to be very serious points being made here. Obviously, we're keeping it, we're keeping it. And this is supposed to be represented. Our function is to rule over the earth. So we are interacting with God, and we're finding out what God wants us to do. And how he wants us to live. And so we can live out what God is upon the earth. We're bringing his kingdom upon the earth. That's what it is. You know what? when we're bringing a kingdom? A king actually has rules and regulations. He has established his rules and he wants that. So across his kingdom, he wants all of his subjects to be living out his kingdom rules. So when we're talking about establishing God's kingdom, we're talking about the people that he has made, us as representatives, us imaging, the images of God, the representatives of God upon the earth. We're here to bring his kingdom, his will, his ways into the earth. That is what we're supposed to do. But we know, if we read the Bible, that the problem of having been in this position, this created position, is that sin came into the world. 
Genesis 2. So the next uh, chapter in Genesis reads like this, verse 15 and 17. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. That was the instructions he's given. So go on, you get on. I want you to do my work. By the way, don't eat from that tree. We are probably quite familiar with that story. And when we move on into the third chapter of Genesis, at the beginning of that chapter, we read this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. The Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And if we were continuing that story, we know that Eve took the fruit and ate it. She gave some to Adam and he ate it. And both of them had broken the commands of God. The result of that, this masterpiece, only a subtle change there, but it makes the point, this is what's happened. Suddenly this man, this woman who is supposed to be ruling, who is supposed to be God's representatives, the very core of them has now become corrupted. They literally have black hearts. That's what's happened. That's what's happened in the world today. So when we're reading the report in the Times that's telling us this is what's happening, this is what the priests are saying, this is the results, people want to change this, they want to change that. Why do they want to change it? Because of that. Because their hearts have become disconnected from God. The rule now is the rule of Satan. Okay? Because John teaches in his letter, 1 John 5.19, he says this, We know that all are children of God, i.e. all have been created by God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Because what's happened is that the people who have been created by God, they were there to be God's representatives, but now their hearts have been taken captive because of sin. Sin is now ruling where God is supposed to be ruling. Now, if we now take a snapshot of our society now, do we see that to be the case? Absolutely we do. We read of it every day. We're reading of increasing corruptions. We're reading of this problem, of that problem. How is it ever going to be solved? We're looking at our governments. When will they be able to do it? There is no solution apart from the solution that God himself did. Because we as humans have messed things up. One John, or John goes on to write, or had written in the same letter, 1 John 3 verse 8, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Of course he is, because sin is from the devil. Sin is his language. Sin is his way. Sin is his rule. And it's operating. So when we sin, what are we showing? We're showing that the corruption is coming through us. That's what we show. But that verse goes on to say, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning, but then it goes on to say, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. God sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to carry out the greatest 
rescue mission that has ever been conceived. To destroy the stranglehold that the devil has over humanity. And to restore them back to their rightful position living on earth as representatives of God. Now in simplistic terms you can see what's happened. Because of the cross. Because of the cross. The darkened sinful heart has been taken away. And man has been redeemed so that he can live out his initial calling to be a representative over the earth. Jesus Christ has now put us back in our original position. Jesus Christ has now enabled every one of us to live fully for the purpose for which we were created, to be those who are God's representatives here upon the earth, to image what God is, to be the images of God upon the earth. That is our calling. Now, the truth is we are never going to accomplish that calling without God. And Jesus, when he was speaking, when, uh, Jesus, uh, in the passage in John, where he's talking about the vine, he says, that I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You will be able to, if you like, you will be able to accomplish much of my purposes. But then Jesus goes on to say, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Man is called to have dominion over the earth, is called to be God's representative here upon the earth, is called to take of the things of God and make them known into the earth, to live out the laws of God upon the earth. That is what we have been called to do. So what does God require of us to be able to do this? It's one simple word, and the word is this, obedience. Obedience. That is what is required. That we hear what God says. We're looking and gazing upon what God is and what he is like and what he does and how he wants things to be done. We look at that and we say, right, now you want that imaged on the earth. That's what you want to see here. So that's how I need to live my life. Therefore, as an individual Christian, as one whose heart has now had that blackness taken out and the goodness of God put within us, who has the capability of living for God, now we're supposed to be obeying him. Let me just take a picture in your own household. The word obedience. You've got children, maybe? Let's say this particular story, you've got children. So there's a mum and dad and they've got kids. And how does it go in the house where mum, let's say mum says like, okay, listen, will you, will you just uh, finish off the washing up? Will you we'll put the dishes away? Will you just tidy up your bedrooms? And then we're all going to go out and yeah, we're going to go to the shops and we'll get you those things you need, okay? And that's the instruction given. And if that instruction is fulfilled, wow. Kids are doing the dishes, they're putting, her, putting them away in the cupboard. They nip upstairs, tidy up their bedrooms. Right, mum, we're done now. Great, let's go up to the shops. The house is happy. It's true. Everybody's delighted because this is, this is the, the laws have been issued and, and the laws have been fulfilled. And mum is just so excited. I'm going to take you, I'm going to bless my kids at the shops because it's all gone according to my plan. Now, reality, obviously, I just want to touch on reality here, is that the instruction is issued, and then usually what happens is there's, there's murmuring and 
debate as to why did the washing up yesterday? It's not my turn. It's not fair. You always pick on me. Why do we have to do this? I hate Alice. I don't want to go to the shops anyway. That's usually when the instruction is given, it seems that rebellion rises. Now, I'm sure, and not in every situation, but I think most of you think like, yeah, okay, I understand what you're talking about. I picture this when we were there on, on the camp at New Wine. The breakfast had been cooked, the toast had been eaten, the Nutella had completely disappeared on the toast, and then there was the instruction of, oh, which team is on for washing up? And some were there, and they obeyed the instruction. Some, at this point, went into debate over whether it's their turn or whether it's I. Others just plainly disappeared out of sight. That is the reaction, and that is the rebellion that comes because disobedience wants to raise its head, and it's often accompanied with many moans and groans and lethargic behavior. But what are we supposed to be doing? As human beings... We have been created by God to be his representatives on the earth, seeking to see that his will is carried out so that his kingdom is established. Practical Christian living is doing that. In the Bible, we read of the prophet Jeremiah, and he was given the task by God to go to the Israelites and to let them know from God how they were doing on this type of thing. This type of mission. How are, you, how are they doing? So Jeremiah goes to them. And we're going to read a little bit of that report. So Jeremiah 7 verses 21 to 26. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. So Jeremiah's bringing the message of how are you guys getting on? Go ahead, add your burnt offerings to your other sacrifices and eat the meat yourselves. For when I brought your ancestors out of Egypt and spoke to them... I did not just give them commands about burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I gave them this command. Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you, that it may go well with you. But they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclinations of their evil hearts. They went backward and not forward. From the time your ancestors left Egypt until now, day after day, again and again, I sent you my servants, the prophets, but they did not listen to me or pay attention. They were stiff-necked and did even more evil than their ancestors." As God's images, as his representatives here on earth, is it any surprise that we're supposed to do what God has asked us to do? And the answer to that is, no, it's not. It's not a surprise. It's not necessarily what we want, but it's not a surprise. So what does God want? God says in Jeremiah 7.23, I gave them this command, obey me I will be your God, you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you, that it may go well with you. Okay, that's good. But what actually happened? Verse 24, but they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclination of their evil hearts. So here's perhaps is a question that we should reflect on. Are we doing what God has asked us to do? 
Are we living in a way that accurately reflects his will and his purpose? After all, we've been created by him to be his representatives upon the earth. So it's a fair question for us to ask. Are we living the way that his word instructs us to live? It's as though God is asking us, is this what I've asked you to do? Is this what I've asked you to do? God didn't just save us just so that we could have a place to go to in heaven when we die. He saved us in order that we might live for him, displaying his values, his ways through the way that we live. That others can have a practical experience of God by rubbing shoulders with us, by seeing us. And that's not necessarily about us preaching. It's about us living. It's about us being but being people who are connected to God. Paul taught this, he says in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and 15, for Christ's love, he said, compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That those who live should no longer live for themselves. But live for him. You see, that's the purpose that we were created for. We weren't created to live for ourselves. We weren't created to be a selfish, self-indulgent, independent people. We were created to be a people who know their God and who do his exploits. We were created to be a people who take his will and his ways and make them known in the earth. So that people can know, wow, there is a God. And he had... He can help me and change me. And we know that Jesus himself said in Matthew 6.33, Seek first, he says, his kingdom. You see, seek first his kingdom. What we're supposed to be about is we're supposed to be about the things of the king of kings. We're supposed to be his representatives upon the earth. Seek that his kingdom might come. Seek that his will might be done. Seek for his glory. Seek for his ways. And then everything else can be added to you. That's because it's just fulfilling the mandate that we have been given. We're supposed to be those who image God. We're God imagers. We're God representatives upon the earth. That's what we were created to be. Amos 3 verse 3 is a scripture and it says this. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? What Amos is saying is this. It's difficult for people to have unity. It's difficult for people to fall in line with one another unless they make a decision, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk with you. Do two walk together unless they agree to do so? Can we walk with Jesus unless we have agreed to allow him to lead us? We need to open our hearts up. I have decided, that song says, I have decided to follow Jesus. Well, okay. That means we need to be walking in his ways and doing what he wants us to do. That if we're saying that, that's what it means. James teaches this, and, and I'm just going to leave this scripture with us for this week. So let me read this to you. James 4 verse 17, reading from the ESV. It says this, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, For him it is sin. 
For whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him is his sin. People, I'm, I'm bringing a message that is on my heart because I want to draw us back to him. Because we're living in a nation that is broken. We're living in a nation where the Church of England is wanting to change the way church is done because we want to fit in with the system of the world. We want to fit in. We want to feel compatible. We want to make sure people feel comfortable. Listen, the only way people can feel comfortable is by having the blackness of their hearts removed by the power of Jesus. That's the only thing that's going to bring transformation. And the only thing that people are going to see is those who have already had that happen if they live their lives for God so that his light can be shining through them. There's an awesome responsibility that we have that God has given to us. He said every human being is supposed to be giving the image, is showing forth me, is supposed to be my representative. Many have been captured by the work of the devil. But the good news is that Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. And he wants to use us in that process. I want to encourage us. Let's meditate on the scripture. So whatever, whoever knows the right thing to do. What, what is God asking me? What is he calling me? How am I supposed to be living? How am I supposed to be behaving towards those neighbors, those people at work? How am I supposed to be behaving with the people next door? How am I supposed to be behaving with my colleagues? How am I supposed to be living at home with my wife or my husband or my children? How am I supposed to be living? God's word is full of his instruction. The person who knows what is right to do and doesn't do it, you're walking in sin. Sin is of the enemy and it's bringing in darkness. We don't want darkness. In fact, we can't live with darkness. We want his light to be shining. So it's time for us to surrender to him. Let's move on and we'll see more as we move on in the next couple of weeks. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com